Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, Jason Wright here, bringing you another episode of the show. This is episode number 18, uh, and I've got an awesome guest today. Big surprise, right? I will tell you all about her in a moment. A little bit different from my normal ramblings for an intro. I want to talk about fear today. Fear. Have I got your attention? If you're listening to this podcast, I have to make some assumptions about you. You've got to be feeling fear if you're a new entrepreneur, if you're a seasoned entrepreneur, if you're simply a investor who looks at the stock market and goes, I don't know if I should put all my money there, and all those scenarios, you should feel fear. And fear is an interesting thing because there's no avoiding it. I believe, and I'm speaking from experience here, I believe you can get used to it. And what I've noticed in my short 41 years on this planet is fear causes motion in all of us. And there's really two outcomes. It causes you to retreat from the thing that is scaring you. Hey, I'm scared of water. I'm not getting in it. So I'm going to go the other way. Or it causes you to turn that fear into fuel and go into it more. So you're either retreating from it or diving into it. And let's, let's be honest, not all fear is bad. If you're on a cliff and the cliff is 500, 500 feet down to the bottom and it's all rock, you should have a healthy fear of not stepping off the edge because, well, it's not going to end well for you. Like, that's good, but if you are miserable in your life working for somebody else or you are miserable watching all of your hard-earned money disappear in the stock market, that fear should cause action. You should turn it into fuel and do something about it. Give yourself new options. Because if you keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome, our buddy Albert Einstein taught us that is the definition of insanity. So I would challenge you, step into your fear. I'll be honest with you, if I'm being real vulnerable, I have been scared as an entrepreneur for at least the last six months straight. Terrified. New companies launching, bunch of new offers, big risks um, that we've taken. But you know what? I do it anyway. Because the scariest thing to me in the world is to be in the same place a year ago that I'm in today. And we're in a good place today, but I don't want to stay. I want to keep growing. So I hope that resonates with you or makes sense. With a company name like Intentionally Inspirational, you knew what was coming to you eventually. All right, let's talk about today's guest. Today, I get the privilege of speaking with Courtney Moeller. She is the general partner at Empower Investment Group. And I'm not going to spoil this for you. I have to listen to the whole episode. But she is doing some incredibly cool things for her investors with Carbon Capture. She was a U.S. Navy vet, which I love. We love freedom. We love our vets. She is a number one best-selling author, an entrepreneur, speaker, and blockchain expert. Very grounded, very normal, very easy person to talk to. I think you guys are going to love this show. Let's check out our conversation. What is happening, Courtney? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am super, super excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. 
So I would love to hear how you got started down this road of real estate investing. And I love what you're doing because it's so different than anybody else I know. So let's hear about it. Yeah, thanks for asking. That's such a great question. You know, my dad was a petroleum engineer. I'm from West Texas, so we've been involved in the oil and gas industry my whole life. You know, my brother drilled oil, my uncle serviced wells. And so my portfolio is at one point in time was nothing but oil and gas, which is awesome when oil is $100 a barrel. It really sucks when oil is $30 a barrel or sub-zero. You know, that had such a huge impact on my lifestyle and our, our way of living when, you know, the prices of oil went down. And I decided that I really needed to do something different so that we weren't so dependent on the price of oil. So, you know, I started researching and investing and, you know, I fired my financial advisor because he would always make me ask him for permission on where I wanted to move my money. And I didn't like that either. So I got rid of him and decided I was going to make my own decisions. I'm smart. I can read and figure things out. Well, that kind of led me down, you know, the blockchain space and different stocks. And I was doing all this research and ultimately that ended me up in Belize at the Investor Summit on Sand for the real estate guys. They called me and asked me if I would sit on a panel with Robert Kiyosaki and G. Edward Griffin and George Gammon and Peter Schiff. You know, the, the topic was, what is money? And I was super intimidated and totally nervous and just thought, how in the world am I going to go sit on this panel with these freaking amazing people? And it actually turned out great. I met so many and people learned all about syndication and how I could literally pull people's money together to buy assets and really create all of these different income streams. And then, you know, learned how to leverage those assets to acquire other assets. And it has just opened my eyes up to so many things. I came out of that conference on fire, just ready to take on the investment world. And that's what I did. I thought I was going to be involved in, you know, multifamily. You know, I had some carbon capture opportunities, which is in the oil and gas space and some other things pop up. And so I have actually never syndicated any real estate, but I do passively invest in other people's real estate deals. So now we own apartments and storage units throughout the United States, just always growing that portfolio figuring out how to diversify so I can, you know, increase those number of streams we have coming in. You know, all these markets are all cyclical. Sometimes real estate's up, oil might be up, but stocks might be down or, you know, whatever. So if you have different sources of income coming in, it doesn't matter if oil is sitting at $20 a barrel because I've still got money coming in from real estate and carbon capture and everything else. So it's it's been a really exciting year and a half. Awesome. That timeline is just amazing. You got to think about it, right? There's got to be a line where you go from where you are to accelerated growth. Uh, it happens over time, but there's always like that day, like you wake up and then stuff starts happening. So yes. it's exciting to think about a year and a half. That's really not that much time. So sure, it's been a, a pretty intense ride so far. No, it, it has. It's been really exciting. And I think, you know, just plugging into the right groups of people and, you know, conferences have made such a big, big difference. You know, I meet so many amazing people at these conferences and it really, you know, opens up my mind to their ideas and strategy and figuring out how other people are doing things. And, you know, when you surround yourself with the right people, amazing things happen. And that's what happened, you know, a year and a half ago, I had a hard time raising just $1.4 million and, you know, we took out $11 million this week, which is just happened so quickly. And, you know, I'm so excited about it and being able to help my investors pay less taxes to Uncle Sam and create awesome passive income streams is the best feeling in the world. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny what you said. I can remember as I started this business and worked through it, I got to a point where I was like, man, nobody understands how I'm thinking. I'm talking to the wrong people. I'm talking to employees and retired folks and this and that. And then I start meeting the people around Raise Masters and really successful people. And some of my friends I've come up with in entrepreneurship have become really successful. Then I start going, oh, all these people think like me, but they're way further down the road. How exciting. How exciting to be nipping at their heels because then you have people that realize what you're struggling with as far as business grows and that type of thing. So it makes all the difference in the world, the company you keep. It really does. And this whole employee entrepreneur, you know, mindset, we are not taught a financial education. That's the biggest problem. We're taught to go to school and get good grades and try to battle against everybody else to get into a college where we can rack up a ton of ridiculous amount of debt. And then from there, hopefully we can battle our way into the workforce where we can work and hopefully pump enough money into our 401k that's so we can potentially hopefully comfortably retire when we're 65 that's such bs we are better ways to do it there's smarter ways to do it i just i didn't know i didn't figure it out until a few years ago and i i wish that i would have learned it 20 years ago i am teaching my kids now i don't even want my kids to go to college they don't need to they they just don't unless they want to jump into being a doctor or something like that they just don't need it yeah we have the same conversations like my son thinks he wants to be an engineer. Okay, you have to go to school for that, but your your grades need to be better too. His grades are really bad. Very smart dude. He just, school's not his thing and I get it. But I tell him like, hey, you've got that option. You could go work a trade if you want, or you could start your own business. Like I'm telling them all available options because that's how it really is. And I I had to learn that on my own. My parents knew the education route of that was it. So very interesting stuff. So uh, this will be interesting coming from you because nobody else is going to say on this show what you're about to say, but uh, what asset classes and markets do you typically focus on and why? Okay. Well, I love all the assets. Let me just say that I buy precious metals. I invest in real estate, but personally, I syndicate carbon capture, which is in the oil and gas space, and then also Bitcoin mining funds. So I... I'm heavily involved in the blockchain space, and we are also working on a tokenization platform so that we can really revolutionize the way people invest. Yeah, I like it. So talk to me about carbon capture. For people that have never heard of it, what is it from a high level? How does it work? Okay, so this is our most popular investment option, and I think what's so great about it is this opportunity offsets W-2 income, capital gains, and passive income. So it has the ability to help you reduce your taxes that you are paying to the government in a big way. And because we have a leverage component, like a $100,000 investment will offset $200,000 of that income. And then that same $100,000, it earns $10,000 a quarter for seven years. So the cash flow is amazing. The tax benefits are amazing. And what we're doing is We have a patented fluid called CETA. We work with a company called CETA. There's a cold distillation process that creates this CETA solve. So we've got equipment that goes out to a natural gas well, and we are able to remove the carbon from the natural gas streams right there at the well site. Well, that process creates a fluid that Exxon and other companies are using for enhanced oil recovery. So essentially, they're taking that fluid and using it to frack their oil wells. So about 90% of our income comes from that fluid we're creating that we're selling. And then the other 10%, we are getting a small working interest in those oil wells that they are fracking. And so 
because of that, there are special tax codes that allow you to offset that ordinary W-2 income or capital gains. So it's a great deal. It's one of my favorites because investing in oil and gas is, is hard. It's risky. Generally, when you're trying to get involved into drilling and exploration, you know, you might hit oil and you might not. And so there's a lot of risk there. Through carbon capture, we're able to tap into those tax benefits of oil and gas exploration and drilling without the risk of whether you're going to hit that oil or not, because we're already tapping into drilled wells. There are The wells are already there. And like Exxon's got 1,800 wells. So if we have an issue with one, we literally can just pick this equipment up and move it to the next one. It's sitting on a trailer. So well. Yeah, so it's really exciting. The oil companies are getting carbon credits because they're re-injecting that fluid back into the ground. They're re-injecting that carbon back into the ground. So it's a lot more environmentally better, I guess you could say. It's better for the environment. So it's a cleaner technology, and now we're not wasting water and that sort of thing going through this. So Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. What simple marketing strategies and tactics have initially allowed you to attract investors to what you're doing? What's worked for you? Oh, that's a really great question. I get asked that all the time. So a lot of people always come at me with, hey, we've got an apartment complex and it's a, this IRR or this. And I don't come at it like that. I try to figure out, okay, what problems am I solving for people? And I usually present it with, hey, I can offset your income. I can help offset your taxes and I can help you create a really great passive income. So if I'm talking to somebody and maybe they've got a kid that's going to college, I'm like, you know, if you'll take that money and invest it in a carbon capture deal, not only is that going to give you tax benefits, it's going to take that same amount of money and almost triple it. So now you could have paid for three colleges with that same amount of money. I think just relating to people in how it can affect their lives and how it benefits them is the approach that I take. It's smart because it's, it's personalized. It's radically different than what most people are doing. You know, this industry, especially if you look around, it's like the same stuff everywhere. Yes. Switch logo here, same stuff. Our returns are higher. It's the same language. It's very impersonal and cold and it's easy to fall into. Like marketing companies, there's a million of them out there. Uh, I don't pay attention to what any of my competitors are doing. So just focus on me. It's about building real relationships, like you said. So yeah. it's beautiful. It's good stuff. All right, I'm going to switch gears with you here a little bit. Looking back on your journey, what's your biggest mistake or regret in regards to your marketing so far? Oh, gosh. Okay, so marketing is not my specialty. I do not have a great social media presence. I still hand type out all of my emails to my investors. All of my the people in my fund this morning, I needed to reach out to them. I didn't send a blanket email to all of them. I typed out a personal email to each one. But I really believe in that personalization and kind of that white glove service. So I, marketing and social media is just not my strengths. And I struggle with that because everybody's talking about, you know, build your following and da da da, da And I want to do that. I just, I don't like sitting around on social media. So it's tough. It's a struggle. I don't want my kids to sit around on it. So I wrestle with that internally as well, because I don't want them to see me sitting on social media all the time and then telling them, okay, y'all need to stay off social media. I just. <laughs> don't uh, do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have hired a little bit out of that for help. I am trying to figure that out and Definitely marketing is not my strong suit. I am going to tackle that and figure it out this year. I've been told I've got to have a newsletter to 
stay in communication with my investors, but I don't want to write another newsletter. I get 18 million newsletters and I don't even read any of them anymore because I don't have time and I don't want to dump a bunch of information on my investors. So I'm trying to figure out how I can kind of tackle that. I'm thinking about just, you know, something with maybe a couple of short video clips where I can just spit out some relevant content that's something they might need to hear, but I, I'm still kicking that around. So yeah, marketing and social media is not my strong suit. Well, I, I think it's more of your strong suit than you realize because it's just people just building relationships and maintaining them. And I feel like video would probably be good for you because you're comfortable on camera. So you could do your newsletter with a three minute video and then in the email, it's just a thumbnail to it. And they click it and they watch the video and it takes you three minutes. You know, when I make videos, I always say I'm doing it in one take, no matter what. I don't care if I fall off or mess up, like one take and we're moving on. And what it does is people can tell that it's not over edited. They can tell it's real. And it actually works massively in my favor because people go, oh, I'm getting to see the real person. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I think video is a great use of your time. You can make one video, repurpose it amongst a bunch of social channels and even share that video six months later because no one's going to remember anyway. Repurpose it. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Definitely trying to kind of tap into, you know, my podcast videos that we have and figuring out how I can repurpose that. I'm learning a lot about editing and yeah. all of this kind of stuff. So, so it's good. We're, we're getting there. We're cruising along and it'll, it'll be good. There's, there's a lot of groundwork that I'm going to lay in those areas this year. Nice. Very nice. All right. Another curveball for you. Everybody loves curveballs, don't they? <laughs> Can you share any story that you've, uh, you've experienced in this journey so far that you haven't shared publicly? It could be something funny, mistake you made, something you discovered, whatever you want. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> And I have shared this a little bit, not a super ton, but, you know, uh, when I decided that I wanted to be a syndicator, the person that brought the carbon capture to me, he came to me and he said, hey, you know, I've got two two pieces of equipment. Do you want to syndicate it? And I was like, yes. And I only had to do a $1.4 million raise. And I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I was like, dang, I don't, I don't have an investor list. Like not one person, not a single person. I had literally just learned what syndication was. And um, I did not fill that fund. We only got to a million dollars and Eric ended up helping me fill the rest of that fund. I was so embarrassed. I'm in inner circles where I mean, we are held accountable and we have to go around the circle to go around the room and talk about, you know, how much we've raised. And, you know, anyway, so I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I did this. I didn't even meet my commitment. So I was really embarrassed and I was really grateful that he helped me fill it. And I just, I promised myself that one of these days I was going to help him fill stuff. And I have since been able to do that, which has been a really great feeling. But it was embarrassing at the time, especially when you're in a room full of high achievers and people are like, yeah, I just raised $20 million. And somebody else is like, I raised 80. And, and I'm like, <laughs> I had a hard time raising one, you know, yeah. but that's changing and it's changing quickly. And so now I have actually did talk about that on stage here at the last syndication event I went to because I wanted to help inspire other syndicators that are getting involved that, you know what, it, it might be rough at first and that's okay. Now I'm more embracing that story instead of being embarrassed by it and hopefully it will inspire others you know to keep pushing and keep building and keep working and keep going yeah no that's great and, and something i always think about michael jordan was cut from his freshman team yes what? i hear that with my kids all the time and all it did is piss him off and, and look what happened so sometimes uh getting pissed off for the right reasons can inspire great action and make you say you know what i may fail the next 10 times i'm not going to stop yeah, it's a powerful, powerful tool for sure. 
if you were talking to somebody new who said, you know what, I like what you're doing. Uh, I want to start raising capital for deals. Uh, where should I start? What should I focus on from a marketing standpoint? And don't say you don't have marketing experience because you do. It's you being you. Like, what would you give them for advice? What would you say to think about or focus on? From a marketing point of view, I would tell them, um, and this is kind of what I'm doing right now, is thinking about how do I look at investment opportunities? You know, what is impacting me? I would tell them to sit down and figure out who their avatar is. You know, who are they trying to appeal to? Who are they trying to help? Figure out what that person's problems are and then start focusing on solving those problems for that person. Yep. I think it's great advice. I hate it when I talk to somebody new and I say, you know, who's your avatar? And they say, anybody with money. I'm like, oh boy, you might want to narrow that down just a touch. So, yeah. but I get it. Learning the avatar, it can be a series of pivots. I mean, I've experienced the same thing and, you know, it, it's a journey like most things. So we are in March of 2023 now, as we're recording this, what are you most focused on for your business for the rest of this year? I went to a goals retreat at the beginning of this year. Last year was my first time to go. And, you know, I'd always set resolutions, but never really goals. And so my goal list is gigantic and they are big. Some of them are big, hairy, audacious goals. I want to raise a billion dollars. I have not. No, not this year, but overall, my, my overall goal is to raise a billion dollars. My goal for this year is 25. So some of those I have to sit down and reverse engineer, but it really, really kind of helped me sit down to figure out, okay, what am I trying to accomplish? And what is it going to take me to get there? You know, and what is my, what does my roadmap look like? And so it, it's really amazing when you focus your mind and really set your mind to things, your subconscious has a way of helping you accomplish things. And so one of the things I really figured out at the beginning of this year is to pretty much knock down all of my dominoes, everything that's on my goal list. The one thing I need to do is to build and nurture my investor list. And so, I mean, that will pretty much take out everything I need. And so, which comes back to that newsletter, you know, how am I going to nurture my people? I'm really good at going out and talking to people and, and building that list. Now I need to figure out how to continue to grow it. I just, I want to help as many people as I possibly can. You know, I started off wanting to do this for myself and my family, and that has grown into, wow, I can really make a difference in my friends' lives. And wow, I can help everybody. So it's my, my goals have grown substantially and that's it. You know, I want to help as many people as I can, you know, pay less taxes and create passive income. We've got to get our money working for us. So we're not working until we're 65, 70, 80 years old and in actually enjoy life, you know, put time into our families and the things that really, really matter. So, so yeah. That's it. You are well on your way to that goal of 25 million this year, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I had a thought and it has escaped me. What in the world was I going to say? I don't know if it's going to come back. Until. Well, when I started talking about goals, I was like, oh gosh, I was thinking, uh, what was his original question? And then I remembered it. <laughs> You're good. I just remembered. So around Christmas every year, I get real reflective. It didn't really slow down this year. Usually it slows down. But I, I started thinking, okay, what do I like about this year? What do I want to do differently? And I laid out a series of, like you said, goals. And like between now, so March 3rd and like June 1st, it's going to be gas pedal down. I mean, the, wow. the business, the podcast has launched, got a course to produce. All of this was laid out in order for a reason with the bigger picture. And it's really tiring. But I know that I'm going to look back and go, I'm experiencing the fruits of what I did six months ago or two years ago. 
And sometimes it just takes that gas pedal down, not just for a day, for months on end or sometimes years to really get yes. things moving. But another random thought you're talking about when people you know, talk about retiring at you know, 65, 70, I can't even think past June this year. I know. Literally look at my quarters and we're going out west this year and I don't know if we're building a house or going to build a house next year. So I can't think past this summer. So I'm just worried about between now and then. And I'm just going to crush it between now and then. So good stuff. Oh, I get it. And you know what? Once you set those goals, it's actually really important at the end of the year, you know, to sit and list out what you accomplished and compare that to the goals that you set. And even if you didn't hit your mark, that's okay. Because if you didn't set them to begin with, you never would have accomplished any of it. So it's really important to reflect. And last year when I did that, I was really kind of blown away to see that I blew my goals out of the water. I didn't realize it through the year as I was doing it. But when I sat down, wrote down what I accomplished and then compared, I was like, wow, I knocked this out of the park. And that was a really great feeling. Yeah, it's it's a good point. It makes me think of something that I feel really obligated to share with the audience and maybe with you as well. In the moment, success, like a new income level for me, never feels any different. It never feels like you think it's going to. And it's easy to be like, ah, moving on to the next goal. But it's important that you stop, look over your shoulder and remember where you came from. Because then you go, oh boy, it, it's we're in a different, different league. We're living a different life now. And it, it's yeah. easy to to not celebrate that. So my point is all forward progress is worth celebrating. It really yeah. is. Right. Absolutely. We're hard enough on ourselves anyway. It's okay to be to be happy and celebrate even the smallest of wins. I had this conversation with a couple of my friends literally this week and last night with my syndication attorney. You know, you've got to stop and celebrate those wins. You know, I'll set goals and okay, when I reach this, I'm gonna reward myself with this. And I, I'm really bad about pushing that goalpost back all the time. And so this year is really, you know, I'm going to work really hard this year. It's going to be a busy, crazy year. I'm with you, you know, creating courses, creating all this stuff. And, but, you know, at the end of this, you know, the, we will reap the benefits of, you know, our labor, the fruits of our labor that we have laid out this year. And it will, it will be great. Yep. Awesome. Fun stuff. So if anybody watching or listening wants to get more info about you or learn what you're doing, how can they best do so? I do have a carbon capture report. If you go to carboncapturereport.net, you can download that report there. And, you know, my website is CourtneyMoller.com. You can go, you know, I just had a book that came out. You know, I had a chapter in a book that just came out with Zig Ziglar's son and a bunch of other amazing people. And you can find information on carbon capture and real estate tokenization and all kinds of things. So awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a heck of a good time for me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so great. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, our guests today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work, and I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. 
Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you're ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.